So out of that experience, we said, look, we should look at other areas to go into prison. So when we came into the US, and might I say, I came into the US reluctantly, Jeff, hmm. because I thought, you've got all the bells and whistles here. Why do you need challenge? Right. But the Lord seemed to impress upon me, come into the US. So we've endured a lot of difficulty and struggles, but the, the one addition that has gone gangbusters has been the prison edition. And we're now into about 360 prisons. Wow. And we get constant requests from chaplains. Please, can you send us the paper? Can you send us the paper? Welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. My name is Jeff Patrick, and I'm the pastor at the Memphis Union Mission. I'm sitting in today for my good friend, Byron Tyler. I've been the pastor to the homeless population at the Memphis Union Mission for the past 18 years, as well as the pastor of Grace Church, which meets inside the mission each Sunday. And we've been doing that for about 17 years now. And Memphis Union Mission has been, uh, what we say, rebuilding the lives of individuals since 1945. But I'm not here today to talk to you about Memphis Union Mission. Instead, I'm here to introduce you to my good friend, Carl Carmody, who has come all the way from Perth, Australia, the land we know as the land down under. Carl is the CEO of Challenge Literature Fellowship, which produces the Challenge Good News newspaper. Welcome to Memphis, Carl. Thank you, Jeff. Nice to be here. Tell us what's going on um, with the fires. I know that when I hear about Australia, I hear about all these fires, and Mm. I'm really interested to know. Tell us what's happening down there and and what that looks like. Well, the fires this year have been, and uh, late last year, have been uh, the worst fires we've ever had. Uh, I I believe the figure is something like 10 million acres got scorched. Wow. Along with that, of course, literally millions of wildlife came to grief. And for here, interestingly enough, here in the U.S., a lot of people are asking me, how are the koalas? Uh, mm. Because obviously a lot of them got uh, killed in the fire. But a lot were rescued. And uh, they're a beautiful animal. But unfortunately, um, yeah, we lost a lot of wildlife. Uh, and But I think something around 1,200 homes, um, some farm sheds, uh, literally miles upon miles of fencing because a lot of it's just uh, timber fencing and so on uh, got destroyed. And, uh, and of course, a lot of people's uh, cattle, sheep, all that sort of stuff. So the, I don't know what the, the damage bill is, but it's in the billions. You know, had that much damage been done in America to that many acres, it would have been more than just a few people. It would have been hundreds upon hundreds of people who have died. And so it's amazing yes. how Australia is just spread out like it is. True. Uh, I think the, the interesting thing is that we're certainly well prepared for fires, but I don't think we were as prepared for the sort of fires that we had. In fact, it was interesting to hear one of the fire commissioners saying that the fires became so hot that they created their own weather pattern. Now, I've never heard of that. Mm. You'd get these literal firestorms similar to what you see in California. In some cases, the winds were so strong, they actually turned over one of the uh, fire engines. I've never heard of that. So it just gives you the kind of picture of how difficult this whole thing had become. You just hear every morning fires are still burning here and then mm. now this fire is joined to this fire and you've got a you know, 50-mile-long fire front. And I'm thinking, my I can't even comprehend that. But be as it may, uh, you would be surprised how much has changed since we've had rains come through. Most of the fires are out now. Some of the areas have got badly scorched are already springing into new life. And interestingly enough, we've had some of the uh, scientists and so on saying how amazed they are to go back into those burnt areas and hear all the cicadas and the crickets and so on 
clicking away and somehow or other life goes on. What's interesting about fires is that when you have a fire in a certain area and everything's burned up, the mm. new life that does come, there mm. are certain parts of the U.S. where they will actually set fires to certain areas yes. uh, to burn off all the old dead wood and everything, yes. and new life will come. And so yes. that's great. Well, I know that uh, people in America have been praying for Australia. Thank you. Uh, man, we would love to see the fire of the Holy Spirit uh, oh, move yeah. in Australia, and that would be our prayer. Let me tell our audience a little bit how we met and kind of the story mm. and then we'll go from there. So I'm on a mission trip in South Africa uh, with one of our local churches here, and I'm working with an organization called Multi Ministries. I believe that's Harold Peasley over Mm -hmm. there. We're going out into the community, and we have these challenged newspapers that I have never seen before, and we're passing them out in the communities. And what I found very interesting was how it drew people to where we were. People would come, and they would see us handing something out, and they would just start opening up and reading, and it it Mm. surprised me. And so when I came back to the U.S., I kind of did a little investigation because I saw there was a a paper in the U.S. I knew that I was taking some homeless guys on a mission trip. Mm -hmm. We were looking for some things to be handing out to draw people. And I I called your office in the U.S., found out y'all had a Spanish edition. They sent some down to me. We carried them down to the border. And sure enough, we're there. And if I'm not mistaken, it was an issue. And you might remember that there was a lady had twins and one was black and yes, one was white. Yes, yes, yes. And they were just surprised and, and people were coming and we ran out of the papers. I knew then that in my eyes, people of poverty and people that are in different demographics were really drawn to reading things. And so down at the Memphis Union Mission, our homeless population, they are used to reading a lot and they love the papers. And so um, your office began sending some to me. I believe it's every other month, and we would put them out, and the men would get them and read them. And and because of the Nation of Islam having the newspaper called The Final Call, which Mm -hmm. these guys bring in all the time, this was kind of to compete with that, to have uh, something with a Christian message. And so, lo and behold, several years ago, you and one of your colleagues came and introduced yourself to me, and our relationship began. And so this is your, what, third time in Memphis? It is, yes. It's always fun uh, when you are here. Tell me the purpose of the ministry. Well, the whole purpose of Challenge is to produce a a gospel newspaper that's designed and written for the non-Christian. So we run with testimonies, gospel articles, children's pages, a sports page on the back for those, as we say, who are either addicted or afflicted by sport, maybe both, and then various other types of articles that fit in well. So it gives a what we call a well-rounded 12-page gospel newspaper, which is really, as I said to you the other day, Jeff, is really just a giant-sized tract. Tracks are great, but they're a one bite at the cherry thing because you're dealing with one angle or one sort of approach to the gospel, whereas we're looking at the whole idea of saying we're looking at different testimonies, some some people who've gone from drug situations, some people who've had a very happy marriage and family but still realise something was missing. And the idea, of course, is that it's there to help those in the church to gossip the gospel to a family member, a friend, a neighbor, a work colleague, whoever it might be, to be able to share the gospel with them. And so very easy to use, very easy to give away. For instance, I've been here now and I've given it away in airports. I've given it away Mm -hmm. in uh, the hotel I'm staying in at the moment. And the lady who runs the desk knows us now because we've been third year in a row. So, oh, you're back again. Mm -hmm. So it's really trying to help every believer to get out there and gossip the gospel, because the bottom line is that most Christians never share their faith. That's the reality, unfortunately. 
I like what you said. It's like a, a track, a giant track. Hmm. I've once heard a gentleman say, God uses tracks, do you? And you're right that most Christians will never share their faith. And what a shame. And I know part of it. I remember the days that I was kind of bashful uh, to do so. And you're, you're really concerned about, do I know the scriptures well enough? But this is not just a, a gospel track. This is also things that has, it has puzzles in there and some of the hmm. light articles. It has some fun things, even for some of the children that could go through some of the papers and, and draw attention yes, to them. And so, yes, yes. so tell me about the country. So I've seen this in Africa. I've seen it here in the U.S. What all countries, what countries we, are you We work in, in about, at this stage, from a handful to thousands, we work in about somewhere between 15 to 20 countries. I can't give you the exact figure because uh, sometimes we get responses from places we didn't even know existed. Our biggest hub is South Africa. We're doing about 2 million papers wow. uh, a year. And then we work our way up through uh, to Botswana, Zambia, Zimbabwe, and right the way up to Malawi and on up to Kenya. The problem we have, Jeff, is that the demand for what we do is simply exceeding our ability to provide it. Not so much here in the Western world, but you know, places like um, Africa and Eastern Europe, places like that, where we're seeing now that, that we get emails and say, can you help us? Can you send us uh, the paper? And so on and so on. And of course, there's a limit to what we can do, because if you're doing a different language, of course, there's a whole process involved in being able to do that. And also, not only just producing the newspaper in the language, but also producing the discipleship notes that we have available in that language as well. Because as my good friend G.D. James, who's a well-known uh, Asian evangelist, was called the Billy Graham of Asia, he said, you know, we must never forget that fish caught need to stay in the boat. Mm. And so we believe in that implicitly. And so the, the paper really is all about uh, getting around all the various countries that we're working in now, but making sure that we go about the process of evangelism uh, well, because I, I'm a great believer in the process of evangelism, Jeff. And I know lots of people don't talk about this, but, you know, pray, sow, water, reap, disciple. Mm -hmm. Now, what happens in, uh, dare I say this, and you can beat me over the head if you want to, but in America, there's no commitment really to that process. Right. Just preach the gospel. That's it. Da, 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 da. And if we don't get a response, uh, we expect people to respond there and then on the, on, the, on the spot. Now, some will, and some may have been going through that process. But when it comes to us uh, evangelizing, uh, getting everybody in the church to reach their one, as, as uh, J.D. Greer said last year, mm -hmm. involves that process. So who are you praying for? Who have you got on your prayer list that you're praying for? Mm -hmm. And then you begin to sow a seed, and then you begin to water it. And then you see the privilege, Lord willing, that either you or someone else reaps that, that seed, and then comes the delight of discipleship. Now, we were just talking about this the other day, Jeff, when we said discipleship's almost non-existent. Right. So we, we want to see all the notches in the gun, but we don't want to see the long-term commitment that we need to make to disciple those people the way they need to be discipled. And so the end result is we get all of these people coming to Christ, or we hope, and then very few of them actually go on to engage others. And, uh, and so it becomes a great concern to me. So when we go to all these different countries, we're trying to help those countries then to train and equip their people to get out and gossip the gospel to mum, dad, brother, sister, friend, neighbour, work colleague, whoever it might be. And, I mean, you just think of it this way. You imagine now that... that, that um, I, I go to a church. You get a hundred people attending that church. You get a hundred people reaching a hundred people, so one person each. Yes, and I mean that just dramatically changes the culture of your church. So when you put on a, a men's breakfast and you know as an outreach, you know a bit like what we did at the restaurant the other morning, and you put on and you invite your non-Christian friend along to that, well, you're actually getting non-Christians there. 
So I'm saying to myself, this is fantastic because we're actually reaching somebody. But you know what we've become excellent at doing? We spend large amounts of money, by and large, to speak to ourselves hmm. because we don't, we're not committed to that process. And so challenge is all about helping every believer to be committed to that process. So as you pray, then you sow, and then you water, then you reap, then you disciple. It was in South Africa for me. We were in Sabi, South Africa, if yes. I'm not mistaken. We would go into the schools there. We would share our testimony and have a word, and then we'd give an invitation, and these little hands would go up all over the school. I mean, it was just like a wave. Mm. And, and we went to school after school, and we came back, and we were real excited. It was like, praise God, we saw you know hundreds of people saved. Yes. I go back two years later, same students, two years older, and, and I'm thinking maybe a few new students would will mm. raise their hand to be saved. We're up there. We share a testimony. We give an invitation. And once again, every hand goes up. Yeah. Something struck me for the first time. There's mm. a problem here when these kids are getting saved over and over and over. And if I can be honest, is that when I looked over at the teachers, their job was to teach in those schools. They were a little seemed to be a little irritated that mm -hmm. the Americans had mm -hmm. come in to stop their teaching. Yeah. So I began to ask, how often do like Americans come in and stop y'all's process and, and have these uh, chapel services? And it was kind of like, well, quite a bit. Well, let me say something yeah. that's really important there, Jeff. The problem we have is that if you're committed to the success syndrome, in other words, you've got to go home with figures on the board. Early on in our years, when we did Impact Africa as our mission trip under the banner of challenge mm -hmm. into, into Africa, we noticed the same process. So now we've changed the way we approach it. And so we would pull, you know, if we're in prisons and we get lots of hands going, then we'd pull them out into different groups and then walk them through the gospel again and say, okay, have you got questions? Do you know what it's mm -hmm. so on and so Great. on? So the danger that what you're alluding to is this whole aspect of the cultural response. Right. <clears throat> that's, what's res that's what's expected of us. And so that's the problem. Well, I went ahead and asked the missionary that was with us, all right, so yeah. these groups come in here. All, how often do they preach the gospel? Not everybody preaches the gospel. They said every time. How often do these hands go up every time? And so then I come back and I start working for Memphis Union Mission, and we have a chapel service, and people raise their hands, and we were reporting, you know, this many people, and then the next day some of the same. And yeah. it was just the same people over and over. And I was like, we have to stop reporting these numbers because it's the same people over and over. And this is when I began to look. And I bumped into a gentleman, uh, many Memphis people, uh, even people in Africa know about Herb Hodges, yeah, and he yeah. began to teach me about discipleship. We know that the Great Commission is to go make disciples of all the nations, not go make converts. So my whole world shifted. The paradigm of my, of my faith shifted. And yes, we have to have men that preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are to preach the gospel to every creature out there. But just as important as preaching the gospel, we need to have people who make disciples. And that is exactly what I love about the paper. And we'll talk more about that in just a second. But we talked about countries. You're in America. You're in South Africa yes, yes. and African countries. Where else are you? Well, we're working, uh, as I say, predominantly in the UK. We have a family of newspapers. So we put produce a paper there called Good News, and my friend Andrew and uh, Mandy Holloway head up the work there. And that, that's a different newspaper again because being suited, suited towards the, the sort of tabloid style mm -hmm. newspaper of the UK. And so they produce about a million papers a year. Wow. Now, just think of the UK, for instance. Um, Andrew and Mandy have got a great burden and heart to reach out. Uh, they're a population of about 67 million people. In the, in the UK, uh, of that they estimate about 
maybe two or three percent, maybe four percent are believers. So that so when you look at the the revivals of yesteryear, mm-hmm. some of the great men of God, your George Whitfield, your right. John Wesley's, your all of this sort of stuff, and you see where England was and uh, the 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 level of commitment to Christianity in itself, Jeff. And you look at it today, now it's a very multicultural country. Islam is very uh, big in that country, right. amongst other religions as well. And so what's happened again? We're seeing that our Western world churches are aging and shrinking. Mm-hmm. And so you find many of the churches are being sold now, many of them being bought by Islamic groups and so on. So it becomes a very interesting situation in terms of how you cope with something like what we do at Challenge. So getting people out there, sharing the good news is really, really important. So it's something that we really want to do. But then looking at other countries, so we're looking at the, obviously the US, then Africa, then Australia. That's the basic four hubs that we mm-hmm. operate out of and that uh, we're producing 12 editions a year out of the UK. And then out of uh, Perth, we do another 63 editions of the paper, which means we do a main edition, prison edition, military edition, and then language editions of the paper which is a huge undertaking because, mm-hmm. I mean, I have a staff of 11 in our office back home. Mm. Uh, two or three are full-time, the rest are part-time. So we do it on a shoestring. So reaching all of those different people and working with different groups out of the UK and of Australia, that's all of the 75 different editions we generate, and we do a total of about 4.5 million papers annually, wow. uh, which is a drop in the ocean, really. It sounds like a lot of papers. If we had the money, we could do four times that mm. amount if we had the money. Mm. You know, so that just gives you an idea of where we're going. How are you guys funded? That's a very good question. We rely heavily on gifts and support. So, for instance, back home we have a number of Christian farmers who give us barley or wheat in the silo, mm-hmm. and we get the money from that. And had one farmer this last year gave us fifty grand, fifty thousand Australian dollars, uh, which is about thirty thousand US dollars. But that's the sort of money we need mm-hmm. to be able to have staff and do all the work that we need. Because it's not only just printing the paper; it's then distributing it, delivering it, then doing all the discipleship notes, and then in some cases where you've got people working in various countries as part of the office that we have there, then being able to help them out with funding and so on and so on and so on. So it's not just the – if it was just producing the paper and deliver that, that would that'd be so easy. It's not only that. It's, to, it's producing the paper and then producing the discipleship notes, then uh, delivering it all. All of that costs – yeah, eons of money. And we do it all on a shoestring, mm. absolute shoestring. So we're very reliant on gifts. We do in Australia charge a subscription fee as we do in the UK, as we do in South Africa. But, you know, we find plenty of churches and organizations say that we don't have the money, so we give it away. We just thank the Lord. I mean, this is year 38 for my wife and I in the work of challenge. And in many ways, we're just kind of beginning uh, I'm a bit of a slow learner. Yeah, you actually. started when you were 15, right? I'm sure. So. <laughs> yeah, that's about right too. Yes. How did you get plugged into this? Well, um, I came to the Lord at 25, mm-hmm. so I'm now 63. Came to the Lord out of Roman Catholicism. Did a degree in film and television journalism. Couldn't get work. I used to do um, gardening, and I loved landscape gardening and so on, which was great. I started working at a primary school. I met a lady who managed the school canteen. She shared the gospel with me, and uh, through a whole range of events, I can tell you it was August the 16th. It was 1981. Wow. It was a Thursday afternoon. It was 1.30 in the afternoon after I'd been reading through chapters of Matthew's uh, gospel that this lady, Trish, uh, said, look, do you want to make a commitment of your life to Christ? Pray the simplest of prayers. And then I can honestly tell you from that moment on, my whole life changed. 
Um, I then met Trisha's daughter, Carolyn, who's now my wife, and then met Eric Evans, the founder of the Work of Challenge, through another friend of mine, a pastor in Perth. And then through that, I came into the work in July of 1982. Never went into secular journalism, uh, worked in Christian journalism. My, my heartbeat was radio journalism. Uh, yeah, so that's how it all panned out. And it was amazing, really, just to see where the Lord's taken it from. In those days, we were doing 5,000 papers uh, a month, 60,000 papers a year. Some months last year, we did over half a million papers just in one month. I just look at those figures and I think, really? It just seems extraordinary, but Mm. uh, we could do so much more if we had the funding. Listen, if somebody is interested in learning more about Challenge Good News newspaper in the U.S. here, where can they go online? Very easy website to remember. It's challengenewsus.org, mm-hmm. and you just go online. Anything you want to find out, you just uh, just scroll your way through the website, and you'll, you'll find uh, our U.S. director is Andrew Trezona, also an Aussie, and his dear wife, Karen, who do a fantastic job. They're based in Lebanon, Ohio, mm-hmm. which I thought was rather interesting, a right. nice biblical name. Yeah, if you want to know more, just just go online, just challengenewsus.org, and you'll find uh, whether you can order the paper, which particular edition, whether you want a main edition, a prison edition, a Spanish edition, and just go online and just contact uh, the office, and they will take care of whatever it is that uh, you want to order. I want us to spend a few more minutes talking about this discipleship. This is what really surprised me this trip, because I knew that we were getting just one of the editions, but then we began this this year talking about this prison edition. Yes. And how many prisons are you guys in in the U.S.? Well, let me just qualify that question by saying most people have no idea what size the prison population is in this country. Mm-hmm. I had no idea. So I had someone tell me recently that the number of prisons or holding places, if you will, is about 10,000. And you have a small nation behind bars, mm. about in round figures, 2.5 million people. So I'm thinking, really? That must cost the taxpayer an absolute fortune. But you know what we find? We find the soil in prisons is just tremendous soil for the gospel, Jeff. It really is. So we saw an opportunity when we were in South Africa. We started uh, working with a group there called World Hope Prison Ministries who have their headquarters in Houston Northwest Southern Baptist Church. And so we worked with a pastor, Willie Dangler. Willie started working in the prisons there It was going okay, but when he saw what we were doing, he said, you know what? This paper is like the Yellow Pages. It has the potential not only to get us us into every prison, but into every cell and ultimately the gospel into every heart. So when they started getting their 80,000 papers that we produce every two months, they go into 250 prisons across South Africa. For the last two years now, we've been getting in excess of 10,000 first-time responses to the gospel, wow. amongst a lot of other responses as well, by mm. the way. And so we then provide them with discipleship notes that we produce, and we have it available in English, Afrikaans. We've just about finished book four in the series one of the discipleship notes for Chichewa from uh, Malawi and so on. We thought, wow, this has got real potential here. So out of that experience, we said, look, we should look at other areas to go into prison. So when we came into the US, and might I say, I came into the US reluctantly, Jeff, Hmm. because I thought, you've got all the bells and whistles here. Why do you need challenge? But the Lord seemed to impress upon me, come into the US. So we've endured a lot of difficulty and struggles. But the the one edition that has gone gangbusters has been the prison edition. And we're now into about 360 prisons. Wow. And we get constant requests from chaplains. Please, can you send us the paper? Can you send us the paper? Now, what's a really great blessing here, Jeff, is that we've combined 
the Challenge newspaper with a partnership with Crossroad Prison Ministries. I cannot speak highly enough of mm. what they do. Prisoner makes a response here in the US. He then is contacted by Crossroad Prison Ministries. He's assigned a mentor okay. who then writes to him, mm -hmm. who then sends him discipleship notes and then a brand new Bible. Now, that means we're serious about this person being discipled. And all of this is at no cost to the prisoner. Absolutely no cost. As I said, Crossroad Prison Ministries, I mean, they are a phenomenal organization in my books. And I love working with like-minded organizations because mm -hmm. you know how everybody wants to do their own thing. I'm a great believer in partnering with whoever I can so that we multiply and magnify the response uh, in, in terms of discipling and caring for new converts. So they then will mentor that person right through. The Bible study courses, uh, as you know, Jeff, because you use them at uh, Memphis Union Mission, right. are simple, clear, easy to follow booklets, and then they're marked, and then they're nurtured. As I say, if they're given guidance, maybe they've gone off the trail a little bit, they can be guided by the mentor. And so the mentor keeps in touch by letter and so on. So to me, it's a great synergy. So we've gone from getting a handful of responses. We went to 500, then we went to 800, then we went to, uh, I think it was 1160 for 2018. I haven't got the figures for 2019, mm -hmm. but if we're looking at those figures, we're probably upwards of 1500 first-time responses. Now, what we want to see happen here, Jeff, is that the inside church reaches those that are on the inside in the prisons. Those that have become believers who've been nurtured then start gossiping the gospel within the prison system. They've got a captive audience, literally, mm. excuse the pun, but that's the reality. And that's what really uh, got me excited. We have been using this Crossroads curriculum for quite a while. Yes. And what I love about it, the average homeless person in Memphis has probably about an eighth grade education. This is something simple enough where they can begin to read and, and yeah. fill out. They have a every week they have a different mm -hmm. lesson and we use it all the way through our program can't believe we're almost out of time. We could have gone another hour. Again, if somebody is interested in knowing more about the yep. organization, where did they go? Go online to challengenewsus.org. You'll be able to just uh, scroll your way through the website and you'll find all the contact details you need. If you want whatever it is you want to order, take it from there. So uh, yeah, and Andrew Trezona is our US director and uh, he'll only be too happy to uh, to help you because you'll find the, his contact details on there as well. So every time Carl and his sweet wife Carol come to Memphis, I love feeding them some good old Memphis barbecue. Do y'all have barbecue down in Australia like we do here? No, 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 we don't. Um, we don't have a lot of what you guys eat. We, we're rather amazed at the U.S. love for food. Right. <laughs> a, a, a restaurant and a church on every corner. So, well, well, I go home and I'm just glad to sit down and have a slice of toast instead of go to a restaurant. <laughs> I, I hear you. Well, Carl, thank you for stopping by and for what you're doing for the kingdom of God. I want to thank our audience for listening today to the Mid-South Viewpoint. Again, my name is Jeff Patrick, sitting in for my good friend Byron Tyler. That's all we have for today. See you next time. And until then, tell somebody about Jesus. Jesus.